1: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 207. This week, we've got a special guest for you all, very much in line the last couple of weeks of shows here where we've been going back to basics with hooks, ad copy, creative, all the things that... I don't think we really talked about in the last hundred or so episodes that really do power your Facebook ads, but hooks and ad copy images, video, all those things that are the front facing part of your ad campaigns that pull in cold traffic, turn people who don't know who you are, or maybe are unaware or problem aware, or maybe solution aware going back to our Eugene Schwartz, Analogies we use quite a bit here on the show, but the most important things that you can do as an advertiser is spend a tremendous amount of time on your hooks and your ad copy. And today we have a special guest, Alex Cattoni, who is going to be speaking about exactly that and the six secrets that she uses to write scroll-stopping ad copy, not only for Facebook, but for any platform. And we 100% endorse everything that she says and she teaches here. And I think you're really going to enjoy this week's show. A couple of things to keep in mind. It's a little bit of a longer episode, but I think there's so much information here that's packed into it, as well as a tremendous amount of references that we'll give you in the show notes as well as the tier 11 copywriting book list so when a new media buyer starts at tier 11 we have a book club that we've been doing for about a month or so now we're still tearing apart scientific advertising by eugene schwartz which is awesome because there's so much in that book one of our favorite books but in the show notes here on episode 207 you also get the tier 11 copywriting book list Tried to narrow this one down as much as possible, as well as a couple of other resources that we always refer back to quite frequently, ones from Copyblogger, as well as our friend John Morrow. And you'll actually see some of these techniques probably being used in the headlines for the Perpetual Traffic Podcast show itself. So definitely check out the show notes after you listen to this week's episode with Molly and Alex Katoni. And particularly pay attention to uh, the middle section where she talks about what you should think of first when you're writing great ad copy for your Facebook ads and all about features and benefits. Yeah, that's probably something that if you're an advanced advertiser, you probably say, yeah, I know all about that. But she's got a slightly different take on features versus benefits that you don't want to miss out on. So take a listen. Enjoy this week's show. And molly alex take it away
1: so i'll kind of go into a little bit more about me i know molly you and i met probably back in war room like i've been going to war room for years and love the guys uh digital marketer and i think i met you probably back at one of the war room events so a little bit about me so in 2008 i actually put law school on hold Thinking like a lot of people going through university, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a lawyer. Cause I thought there was only one of like five things I can do with my life. Mm-hmm. And accepted a job at Mind Valley. So anyone who hasn't heard about Mind Valley, it's a one of the largest personal development brands on the internet. And so I kind of went from literally knowing nothing about the internet to all of a sudden working in a startup environment in a personal development, an online marketing company. And it was like Like, my brain literally exploded. Whole new world. It was like, wait, wait, what? There's this thing that called personal development. And wait, there's this thing called online marketing. And my brother, who's the doctor, by the way, so he's one of those five things. (laughs) I love it. But he always says to me, I have no idea what you do. You just pull money out of the sky and (laughs) you didn't really have to go to school that long for it. And F you. (laughs) Yeah,
2: my (laughs) parents still think I build websites. So I think that as much as we are so in this world and we think it's so familiar, most people are still completely unaware that this is a career path.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea that writing could be a business. And actually, I say that here, like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And I learned copywriting by necessity. So at Valley, uh, we had one in-house copywriter, and I just noticed really quickly that he was the bottleneck for absolutely everything. And I'm like, okay, that guy knows something that I want to know, because why like he, he had the final finesse on everything. And, and as a native English speaker, a lot of people at Valley weren't native English speakers. So as a native English speaker, I just was like, I can learn this. So years ago, like this was 10 years ago, I started studying Andre Chaperone's Autoresponder Madness and Frank Kearns, Mass Control and List Control, and just kind of dove into copywriting and sort of fell in love with it. it took me a while to really call myself a copywriter because I really right. felt like... I learned from the best of the best and I felt like I needed to earn my stripes as a copywriter before I could just start telling people I was a copywriter, Uh which opens a whole other can of worms because I feel like right now my biggest pet peeve in the copy business is that a lot of people take one certification program and then they call themselves a copywriter. And yes, you might know more than the average person, but it's really the experience that sort of gets you there. So. I can talk a whole absolutely
2: and I love it that, that we had a similar experience you know it was like I just fell into the internship at digital marketer so um, lucky internship be, like right, right, there, right? <laughs> be open to new stuff that comes your way guys
1: absolutely um so my business Tony Creative I started that in 2011 after my time at Mind Valley. that kind of evolved as most businesses do from freelancing basically like just trying to make money, <laughs> taking on copy jobs to consulting, to strategic partnerships, which right now I'm, I'm at that level of really just working with a few key partners and clients. And copy agency is a part of that focus in personal development. So I work with a lot of personal development brands, a lot of people in the transformational space. To me, it's a thing that I really find exciting and fulfilling. So my largest client and partner today is actually numerologist.com. So I'll preface this by saying... I'm a copywriter and I'm not necessarily the one who's running the ads. I'm very lucky that I get to work with some amazing ad people, but we run between about $100,000 to $200,000 in ad spend a month. So lots of awesome results and things that we've seen. And a lot of what I'm going to be sharing too is sort of my learnings through working with Uh, the ad agency that we've worked with over the years. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. And I also run a high-end business mastermind called Flight Club with my business partner, Glenn Ledwell. So that's fun. It keeps me social and gets me out of my laptop laboratory three times a year. So that's, I think, so important. I was miserable for a couple of years when I started my business thinking, is this really all it is? Like, I'm such a social person and I'm sitting behind my laptop nonstop. And so starting a mastermind with Glenn was a really cool way to be able to do to that and learn what's what's hot and what's kind of happening, you know, real time. So uh absolutely more forum too, which which Molly, I'm sure you've talked about, which is an amazing mastermind. My motto is to help get more messages that matter to the masses through crazy good copy. So teaching people how to write better copy so that they can share their messages with the world. So that's my message and my motto is the right phrase pays. So Love <laughs> It's queen, I should say, copy Yes. And it's so important. Um, And then I mentioned my YouTube training on Alice Catoni. So one of the things I always like to preface my talks with is a little bit of a disclaimer. And I like to say how to write good copy. You start by writing bad copy and then you fix it. That's Um, so
2: true. I'm taking a photo of this. (laughs) That is is so true.
1: true. It is so true because I hear a lot. Like the first thing I'm going to say is there is no magic three words that I'm going to tell you that... All of a sudden is going to change the way you write ad copy. So, what I'm gonna talk about today is less about tactics and more about buying psychology. Because honestly, I could tell you exactly what I, you know, wrote one ad that did, you know, for one funnel in one business and one brand, but that's not gonna help you really step into that place of of strategy and and psychology in, in the mind of your buyer in your niche. And what's so beautiful about writing ads is it is the very first touch point of the funnel. So you get the most amount of traffic. Testing is the easiest at this point. Ad writing is like one of the quickest way to get results uh, and feedback from your audience. And so wherever you're at now, you can you know switch it up, fix it, try something different and get immediate feedback, which I think is such a cool thing about, about writing ads in particular. So that's what I'm going to say.
2: I love it, and you're so right. At the top of the funnel is where the most volume is going to be always, and so the testing not only happens faster, but especially with a platform like Facebook, there's so many different hooks you can test. People think about testing like I'm going to change these few little words, and you know you might disagree with this later, but I'm like, let's overhaul that and test a completely oh, different totally. hook or angle altogether. Yes. Um, oh my gosh, so. that,
1: that's like. My testing philosophy, and I actually learned this from my partner Blair Gorman, is he always says, test the forest, then test the trees, then test the branches, then test the leaves. And mm. when you're testing, think high level because, okay, yes, you can change a word. You can change a button. That's not going to take an ad from performing you know, at a low click-through rate to all of a sudden it being your top ad. So the first thing I'm going to say, and I wanted to put this out to everyone listening is no matter your product, service, or niche, you are in the blank business.
2: I would say but we're in the people business.
1: That's true. And the word that I'm specifically referring to is you are in the attention mm. business. That's because when you think about where you're putting your ads, your product, nothing you do or sell in that moment really matters. What matters is the ability to get your ideal prospect's attention. And I'm going to add to that and also say you're in the retention business. And I'm going to go a little bit into what I mean by that, but just really remember that anytime you're going to write an ad, you're looking for attention and retention. And then of course, everything you're selling sales, money, all that, that all come down the pipe, which is obviously, you know, why you're in business in the first place. But something that I want to talk about is the attention span. Myth. So you've heard people say, I don't know if you've heard this. And I think entrepreneurs say this more now than anyone. And let's be honest, entrepreneurs have the lowest attention span. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) People often say people's attention spans have shortened. And I actually called BS on that because thanks to Netflix, we're all binge watching more than we've ever freaking binge watched anything before. I mean, I used to be perfectly fine watching a 30 minute show and then waiting one whole week for the next episode to come out. And Netflix actually released a report that out of its 117.58 million subscribers, they watch a million of or an average of 140 million hours of content per day which which is 71 um, minutes wow. per user and if you think of how many people are often in a room when you're watching Netflix i think it's actually way higher than that yes. so the first thing i'd say is this attention span myth that we're all saying people's attention spans have gone away or they're shortened that's actually not true what actually has changed is this People's tolerance of bad content has gone down. Meanwhile, the availability of options, so easy and available options, has gone up. So I saw a quote on Instagram the other day that made me laugh out loud. It was, you can't blame the algorithm for your content.
2: So true.
1: (laughs) So true. For your ads, right? It's like, it's easy to be like, oh, it's just, you know, and I guess it's not the same as it used to be, whatever. We can all sit, sit around and complain about how it's not as easy to make money in 2019 as it was in 2007. But at the end of the day, it's all about having, good content, good ads. And I'm going to talk about that, obviously, in this training.
2: I just want to reiterate how important that is, because I think I fall into the trap sometimes of saying people's attention spans are shorter. But you're right. That's not necessarily true. I think that because of the access that we have to information online, our standards are just higher. Like our attention spans aren't necessarily shorter. I think we always have in the back of our mind that there could be something better out there. I could be watching a better documentary. I could be reading a better article about makeup tips. You know, whatever that is, there has to be a company with a better product out there to solve this problem that I have. And because of the amount of content out there, consumers have that luxury now to choose better content. It's not just what's in front of you any longer. It's not just, you know, the newspaper used to be, that's what you got every day. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) got the same newspaper in the town
1: and that's what you got. It's a bit different now. It's a thousand percent different. And I think we don't have shorter attention spans. We just have higher standards. That's the perfect way to say it. And there's so many options out there that you're right. We don't like this documentary. I'm moving on. And so... It's not only about capturing the attention, but you have to have good quality stuff now. I mean, I know for me if, and this is, you know, going off on a bit of a tangent, but if you're not optimizing every single part of your funnel for mobile, which is 80% up to 80% if not higher traffic, then I know for me, as soon as I land on a site that isn't visually appealing or that looks consumable and, and easy to read on mobile, I'm gone. And so exactly. part of retention is also just making sure you're meeting your customers where they're at. What device are they on? Are you making sure you're optimizing for mobile first? It's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Your ads are the very first touch point that your ideal customers have with you. And if you think about it, that's when trust is at its lowest. Like They might have no freaking idea who you are unless you're retarding or whatever, but really that is when trust is the lowest and competition is pious highest. And so that's what just just really think about that when when you think of what the ad is in that environment of someone seeing it for the first time. And so, you know, first impressions are absolutely everything. And the quicker you can turn those eyeballs into clicks, clicks into leads and leads into customers, and the quicker you can start building that trust. And then the competition doesn't matter as much, right? So it's really about making that really good first impression. So that brings me to the first C of ad writing, which is curiosity. Curiosity is... Very important. This, I mean, this is where you first garner that attention, right? So, good ads pique your prospects' curiosity enough to get them to listen and continue reading. So, if you think about it, it doesn't matter how great your sales offer is, and we all really like to talk about our product and our sales offer because we're proud of it, and we all should be proud of what we're creating. But if you don't have their attention, then none of that even matters. And so, I think it's just really important to take note that most advertisers fail miserably at this, which is why. The ad environment has become such white noise for a lot of people, you know, and why now people are getting ad blockers and all of that, because it's white noise and they don't see ads either pique their curiosity enough or adding value enough for them to want them to be present. I know for me, I love ads just because we're marketers, but we're, you know. We're a rare breed.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) We're Um, screenshotting them, and most people are hiding them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have like a little folder on my phone. It's like marketing, and I just have screenshots from like everywhere on there. (laughs) And so, the biggest mistake I I love this so much, and actually, I got this reframe. This um, is so good. Yeah, from Roy Williams, who I know you probably know. He's a, a wizard of ads. And he talks about a lot about including too much information. And so, the biggest mistake ad writers Make is including too much information. So Roy H. Williams says bad ads leave no gaps and have no anomalies. I love this sort of like literally that one sentence that I heard from him saying a podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. what does it mean? And I kind of dug deeper. So really, a gap is interesting but incomplete information. So you want someone to see your ad and to go, oh, that's interesting. It has it has my my curiosity peaked, but it's incomplete in some way, and that's just so important to remember that you're actually trying to create a gap in the mind of the buyer, but in order to let them know that there is a gap, you first have to have their curiosity peaked. And then anomaly, Roy describes that as unexpected intrusions into often repeated ideas. And so while you're, you know, the point of conversion on your sales offer, obviously your sales page would have all the information anyone would ever need to know to know whether or not they want to buy your product. That's not the point of the ad. If you're trying to sell a product in an ad, you're doing it wrong. So yes. Yeah, Alex,
2: really quick. This is something I see. So a big part of team traffic is we're able to critique students' ads, which Mm -hmm. I think is valuable just to get that direct feedback. And a lot of what I see is they are using the ad to sell the products, you know, and really with the ad, very similar to an email, you want to sell the click over to the sales page or wherever you're going. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, longer form ad copy. But usually that comes in the form of a really long ad that's almost like a sales page. (laughs) And so this is something I find myself doing too. Normally, but my first draft of an ad, I know that the edits
1: I need to make is actually to start removing stuff. Right. Yeah. Especially knowing that most people, especially at that point when trust is lowest, there are people that are like, uh, what's she trying to sell? And if they see that you're trying to sell something before you've created a connection, then they're gone. Right. And so One of the things I like to ask people is just think about your niche, think about your product, think about your business, think about what you're selling. Now think about how much repeated and predictable information there is out there in your, in the ad that you see. It's all so repeated and predictable. And that's the problem is I think a lot of people are trying to copy, not copy, but you know, they go, Oh, that person is must be successful with that ad because they're running a bunch of traffic and I've seen it everywhere, which could be true. But the more people do that, the more it just becomes more repeated and predictable information.
2: Awesome. So
1: (laughs) I'm a huge fan of gifts. I like use them. I love it. (laughs) But when everything about your offer is clearly stated in an ad, no questions linger in the mind of the customer. So at that point, before they've even gotten to your sales page, they've decided if they're going to buy or not. If you're not putting your best foot forward in that ad, then you're losing that potential customer, right? So It's not what you include that makes for a good ad. It's what you strategically leave out, the carefully crafted gaps and anomalies. So anywhere that you can zig when everyone else zags, anything that you can leave out that gets people going, wait, what? That's something I need to know more about. That's what's going to get your ad clicked. So where are you saying too much? And exactly what you said, Molly, when you're going through your ads, you're like, okay, it's about removing, removing, removing. Where am I just... Talking myself into a hole here, like you, you and we all do that, right? Because we want to be like, hey, this is amazing, and oh my god, it's awesome, and hey, by the way, it came with a discount, and if you buy now, you get bonuses, and you know, we all like to overdo it, but the ad isn't about that. So, if you ever want some like copywriting curiosity peaking word porn, I love looking through these sites: BuzzFeed, Board Panda, Cosmopolitan. These aren't even in the niche that I'm in, but they are really genius at creating open loops in their headlines, and that's that. Mm-hmm could give you some really good ideas for writing ads. I also like there's a tool called BuzzSumo where you can type in a certain keyword and it actually tells you the content that's trending that has that keyword. And so what's interesting about that is yes, it's not ads, it's content. However, you really get a feel for, Oh, interesting. That's obviously capturing people's attention and you can go and actually look and see what those trending topics are.
2: Awesome. Yeah, probably Uh, even the news nowadays, well, especially in the US, sadly, but um, most news sites are great places to go for those curiosity headlines.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, we
2: had, Alex, we, We released a podcast and it it was a question. It's really simple. It just says, are you still running ads like it's 2015, Facebook ads like it's 2015? And people are like, I don't know, am I? (laughs) Totally. Yeah, and we're not selling them on the listen to all this stuff we're going to cover and it's going to be bam, 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 this or that. We just put the curiosity out there and now people are wondering, I don't know, am I? I have to listen. I actually just had someone text me before this. Are you still running Facebook ads like it's 2015? I think that's the headline I saw from one of your posts and it's so good. Such a kick in the butt. (laughs)
1: Honestly, it is. I mean, for so many reasons, but it creates an open loop because people want to know if they're... Like if they've passed the, if they're passing the test or not, oh my God, is it me? I don't know. It's also so, so clear. And that's actually the second Z is clarity of, clarity. of getting really clear who you're talking to. Confusion kills conversion. <laughs> so this happens a lot where I think a lot of people like to, like they think curiosity. Okay, great. I'm going to write something really like out there. It's People are going to be like, what the F is this? I have to click on it. But obviously your ad needs to make logical sense. And if you know you have to set, find balance between piquing curiosity, but also letting the reader know you're speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And so your ads make it very clear who you're speaking to through identifying a pain or promising a benefit. So I love that that headline you just said, Molly, because that's exactly what it's like literally the shortest headline. And Immediately you're saying, are you writing ads? So this is for people who are you using ads. It's for people who write or send ads or create ads and who are writing ads from 2015, all of a sudden they're going, Oh God, is that, Oh my gosh, is that me? And she's going to help me write ads for 2019. So she's going to help without, without, If you telling them what they're going to get, they know that obviously the point of this is to find out if they're writing ads in 2015 and how they can improve them. And so that's such a perfect headline example of like how to make it very clear who you're speaking to. And I think that this happens a lot too with ads is we think, okay, well, we've gotten this covered through targeting. I mean, obviously we're speaking to all the people who are targeting Mm -hmm. in our ads. However, customers don't necessarily know you're targeting them. So if they see an ad, you still need to make it clear that you're talking to them or else they're going to keep on scrolling. So you so really true. want to get the I, was,
2: to I, I just want to just reiterate that because especially as marketers, we know in our head all the specific interests we're targeting. We've done the research, but... The consumers have no idea, guys. Like, I was on a call earlier today with a friend's client trying to help out with an issue, and the client kept saying, well, it's the targeting, it's the targeting. And of course, that can be an issue in a campaign, but it was actually this issue. We were targeting the right people, but those people didn't know (laughs) that we were actually speaking to them. So don't get so close to this that you lose sight of the fact that you still need to address your audience. 1,000%.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is the moment As you know, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you see an ad. This is when the prospect decides, Hey, Oh, this is for me. You really want them to like in their head, sub vocalize, say, this is for me. And of course, everyone in marketing has heard this. If you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. And I don't think anyone intentionally, unless you're just starting out, but I don't think anyone intentionally needs to appeal to everyone in an ad, but don't be afraid to cause a little bit of polarization because if you're speaking to that one person and everyone else who doesn't apply to, doesn't, doesn't see it or doesn't relate to it, that's fine. But the people who do will really relate to it. I have called it the scroll test. When you're scrolling through Facebook, web day, you see a sponsored ad pop up. You want to be able to see without stopping scroll. If you can tell sort of really at face value who the ad is for, and that can happen through the headline or even through the imagery. But I think that's really clear. You don't want people to spend longer than one second figuring out if you're talking to them or not. I know for me, I get a long email and I can barely hardly down to read it. And that's just my personality type, but the less you can say and still make it clear who the ad is for, like that line example you just gave Molly, then that's where you're going to be in that sweet spot there.
2: Awesome.
1: Awesome. So, Features versus benefits. I think everyone listening is like pretty aware of features versus benefits, but I still see this happening even at the highest level. Well, here's a reframe. Think of your product or service as a shake weight. Imagine if they sold the shake weight by saying it shakes and you're like, cool, but it's what? <laughs> This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, I can't even believe that this was like a runaway hit back in the day. And if anyone has a shake weight, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) go get your shake weight shake weight right now. But The key differences between features and benefits. I'm going to kind of breeze through this, but a feature is something that a product has or is it directly solves a common problem. It needs to be planned, built and executed. It's a factual statement about the product or service being promoted and it's not what entice your customers to buy. So really, there should be no features in your ad. Because remember what I said earlier, your ad isn't about selling your product. Your ad is about getting people to your site or whatever that might be. Benefits, on the other hand, are why someone is purchasing your product. It's the outcome that a user will hopefully experience when using your product. Benefits are results expressed in desired emotions. And then mm-hmm. it answers the question, what's in it? For me. And so what's really cool about using benefits in your ad writing is you can actually use a benefit without ever mentioning the product. the product. It's about what you want your prospect to feel. And so when you think of it that way, there's really no limit to the types of ads or the number of ads that you can write because, you know, an emotion is something that can be expressed in so many different ways. And I'm going to give some examples because these just, there's a few that kind of crack me up. So a feature would be like low-calorie, right? So you're thinking like a low-calorie soda or something like that. A benefit would be finally fit into those pre-baby jeans, right? So you can mention that and people go, oh my God, yes, without ever mentioning that the product is a low-calorie soda. The one terabyte hard drive, no more lost files. Share all of your important documents and family photos in one place. You know, everyone can relate to that feeling of losing a file or if they yes. crashing and they lose everything, right? Like that's an emotional dry that people have. One terabyte hydro, not so much. Uh, Batteries included, ready to use, no disappointed child on Christmas morning. Anyone Mm. with a child is like, oh yeah, we've all been there. Or even
2: me, I've been there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I've been there too, actually. Like I went to use my keyboard right before this call and I realized my batteries are dead. Thank goodness I had some. Um, (laughs) And then feature a complete list of five minute exercise videos, Benefits melt away abdominal fat just in time for your vacation. So, you know, you get the idea, but really focusing on benefits first, features don't really matter when it comes to anything to do with the first 80% of the buying funnel. It's really, the yeah. features matter at the, at the point in which they really need final, okay, this is what I'm getting.
2: Alex, um, this, is, this is huge because this, like you said, this mistake is still being made. I still make this mistake. And you really shouldn't talk about your features until you get to the sales page, or unless you're creating a piece of content that maybe is comparing your product against another, right? But at the top of the funnel, that's not where someone's head is, right? Maybe at the bottom of the funnel, they're comparing two baby strollers. And so they do want to make sure that it's going to be the right size to fit in their car, but people will search for features. And if you have those on your website or your sales page, you're good, but there's no place for features in ad copy. And it's what's creating all of this white noise.
1: Absolutely. That's so true. If someone is searching for a feature, they're already down the rabbit hole enough that if that's present in your site, they'll get there anyway. Um, but if you're trying to get someone's attention and snap them out of like scroll mode, where they're just consuming entertainment value, then you need a different way to get their attention. So when writing benefits, I know sometimes it can be like, oh, you know, yes, I have an idea of what the benefit is. I like to kind of reverse engineer it. So I'll start with sort of thinking of the product and reverse engineers, I'll think, okay, what are the features of the product? What are the benefits of those features? What are the problems these benefits help address? What is the core pain point your ideal customer has? I think that's something that you need to absolutely know. I mean, it might solve a bunch of problems, but what really is that core pain point? And then why has this person not been able to solve it in the past? Because part of their pain could be that they have this pain that they haven't been able to solve before. So why haven't your competitors been able to help them? This is a really good place to start when it comes to just getting that mindset of writing for benefit.
2: You could sit down, guys. You're ready to write an ad. Just go through these steps. Just answer these questions. This prevents us from, you know, okay, I'm just staring at a blank document, right? Where do I start? This is where you should start.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I still have to do this because, you know, when you're writing copy, you have to take a moment to sit and feel into the needs of your ideal customer. And when we're all go, 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 go. And I got to launch this ad, I got to do this, I got to do that. It's really hard to like sink into that. And oftentimes I'll need to reverse engineer and go from there. And I'm more left brain. I think like a lot of people who are running ads and stuff, they love the numbers and the analytics and all of that. So it can be harder to fall into that sort of more creative empathic energy. And so it's just something that I like to walk myself through. So I'm glad that was helpful. So C number three is connection. I know we mentioned this, you know, someone said that we're in the people business. Yes, we absolutely are in the people business. And connection is so huge when it comes to writing ads. So good ads, persuade with connection, empathy, and understanding versus fear and diagnosis. So So we talked about benefits and this is a big part of that. But one of my favorite sentences in marketing is Blair Warren. He has something called the one sentence persuasion. And he says, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. Damn. So that's huge, right? And it's, wow. you know, it's not about ad writing, but imagine if your ad did one of those things. You would be miles ahead of anyone else writing ads in your niche. So no, it doesn't matter what you sell, really think about how you can do this through your ad copy and stories are one of the best ways to do this. So people remember, will remember a story long after they've forgotten your sales pitch. Mm -hmm. So again, we're talking about product stuff really has no place in your ads and that's because stories will explode your ad scaling potential. And even if you only have one product, when you really think in terms of telling a story to create connection. There's unlimited amount of stories you can tell that convey that main emotion that relates to the core pain point of your ideal audience.
2: Completely. And Alex, something I wanted to say at the beginning of this session that I didn't, I love that you said it explodes your ad scaling potential. I say this all the time, but Most media buyers are looking for a little hack in Facebook or Google, like that one bidding strategy or that one budget increasing strategy that's going to allow them to scale. Real scale comes from creating different angles, creating different types of ads, because I always say if your market's a pond to fish... Some of them are going to resonate with a story. Some are going to resonate with a quick little short ad. And so actually scaling really comes through reaching more people, of course, through new targeting and spending more money, but it's also just introducing different ads and different copy and angles that are so very different from one another.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to give some examples just based on things that I've seen or heard that I think could be a really cool place to start in terms of where to start coming up with those angles. But I want to actually share a video, which I think completely hammers this point home, but it's also, it's funny. So I'm going to play this video right now. I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop.
0: You do have a nail in your head.
2: It is not about the nail.
0: Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop
1: trying to fix it.
0: No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You
1: always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen.
0: See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out See, you're not listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just...
1: Sometimes it's like there's this achy I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean all of them. <laughs> I love that video so much. I've I, uh, never
2: seen that before. You have a huge shock factor when I saw the nail. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you were like, what is a nail? Wow. Um, but like the moral of the story is it's not about the nail, aka your product. We all have amazing nail removal services, right? We all sell incredible things. I think sometimes we're like pun intended, we're like hammering the same nail over and over and over again and saying, buy my nail removal service over and over again different ways. It's not about the nail. And so really take a step back and think about that connection factor. You know, how can I create connection? How can I allay their fears? Like I thought this was so brilliant because good ads make your ideal customer feel safe. So self actualized meaning they read an ad and they feel like this ad makes them feel that they're living their best life, that they're doing exactly what they're meant to be doing in this life. And it sort of confirms that. It's sort of, uh, yes, this is going to help take you to the next level or it's going to reaffirm that you're already there. And it makes them feel accepted and understood. So going back to that laying their fears, yes, we get it. We understand what you're going through. It could also be fun or entertainment. So a lot of ads that do really well are based on entertainment value or esteem, meaning, you know, really you're kind of stroking the ego and you're making someone feel very confident in themselves. And those, if you can really dr- drill into those sort of emotions of what a good ad would do for your ideal customer, I think you'll really change the way that you think about how you write your ad. And safe, and safe is a big one too, because safe, is trust, right? And so if at any point you're breaking trust through any part of your ad or any part of your or funnel, that's a huge problem. So safety is a big thing, especially now. I think people are more and more cautious of what's happening, with clickbait, and the that's becoming true. more Fake news, distrusting in what's happening online. Another piece of content that I wanted to share was this guy named Chris Toles. He's a CEO of an entertainment company called Topics, and he developed a strategy to profitably drive more than six billion. I'm just reading this right now. The strategy helped him build entertainment means that 30 employees, six writers producing between two and 3 billion page views monthly. And all he does is write content or create content based on these four emotions. So I thought this was so interesting because we can look at all this and I'll explain what Schadenfreude is. I, I had to Google it, but I can share a link in the group to this blog post as well. But I love really studying why people click and why people buy and why people do what they do online. And so history and nostalgia, if you think about anything that's posted and you've probably seen it, I don't know, Molly, you probably have seen this because you're, probably in this category of like oh you're a 90s kid if you have ever owned one of these three things I mean I yeah. you can't help it but click on that because it brings back that nostalgic feeling of like oh the 90s yeah like, tapes
2: just- and jelly sandals <laughs> yes absolutely
1: and then all the shows like yeah oh my god, totally so history and nostalgia is a really cool way of driving an emotion or really? creating an emotion and- against.
2: And Alex, I'm in Kentucky right now seeing my family, and I've noticed this. I did like a little bike ride with my dad's girlfriend and an old friend last night, and we went on a tour of town, and I kept feeling these waves of emotion, and it's so true. It was nostalgia. It was just me reflecting on time passing, and any human can relate to that.
1: Totally. And anything you can do, and it just depends on your niche and, and what you're talking about. But any human, if you're bringing up that feeling of nostalgia, they're going to be like, oh my God, yes. It's gonna—it's a very, very strong emotion. Humor is another one. I'm a huge fan of memes and gifts and causing a chuckle online. And if you can do that, this is hard to do because I think it's hard to be really funny. Honestly.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm not good at this. I yeah. stick with the other ones.
1: <laughs> you are, and if there's a way that you can do it, go for it. You know, pride of knowledge, that's basically telling, and this go back to sort of the ego part of what on my last slide is how many times you read something and you're like, Oh yeah, I knew that. But you click on it just to prove to yourself that you knew it and you were smart. So pride of knowledge is something that nobody talks about, but it is a huge emotion. So if you can confirm that someone is as smart as they think they are, you're going to be their best friend. They're going to love you. And then the last one is schadenfreude, which is actually the, pleasure derived from other people's misfortune which is sort of unfortunate but we all are you know think of like dog shaming have you see that site where people post pictures of their dogs and it's like this is what my dog did and they put a sign around the neck? can you seen that Molly?
2: i have yeah and, and this yeah. is just humanity i mean this is kind of how we are or people at walmart yeah, I mean, we're constantly wanting to rank ourselves. I think it's why a lot of people watch really crazy reality TV because they're yeah. you're like, oh, thank God, my life isn't that crazy. And I try to be aware of how I'm participating in this in society, but it, it is absolutely a thing.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a huge driver, and I think there's a way that you can do it, and it can be respectful and and oh, I, of course. I yeah, yeah, I I don't this was interesting to me because I think it's so true and that it drives clicks how to use it in ads. I don't quite know unless there, somewhere there was a connection between, you know, you could be like, yeah, they had this misfortune, but now look at how amazing they are because of this. Now there could yes. be, as as you could tell there, but just yes. again, it's interesting to get those gears turning. Of course.
2: And honestly, guys, I recorded a training with Tom Breeze a few days ago about YouTube ads for team traffic, but the beginning of his presentation is all about psychology because we have to understand how humans work for us to market to them. So even though this is an unfortunate part of how we function, it doesn't discount its importance.
1: No, no. And when you get that, then you can, then you can figure out how to best use it for good, not evil. (laughs) Okay. So then the fourth C these last were pretty quick because the, the first three were very important. So CTA creatives is C number four. I kind of loop those together because I'm not, I'm a writer. I don't, I don't actually create the ads, but in terms of the creative, but they really do are often, you know, one of the same, especially if you're getting banner ads or displays or anything like that. But tell your prospects what to do next, one clear and concise call to action that we should all know as marketers and use copy and supporting creative to speak to both the left and the right sides of the brain. And so, I know a lot of people in ads will, you know, click the link here rather than click the image or they'll click the image and not the link and it just really depends on the type of left versus right side of the brain you'll use. And so, I always just like to have both creative and copy sort of staying one and the same so that you're you're just yeah. making sure you're not creating any confusion there.
2: Alex, I saw a stat today that sixty-five percent of people are more visual versus learning through audio or reading. And so if your creative and your copy aren't working together, that's a problem. But if your creative isn't strong and isn't a visual representation of that marketing message, you're literally missing out on 65% of humans that just aren't going to read. And this is also why copywriting is so important because I'll take copy from someone smart like you and then let that inform what the creative is. Um, So you start with the message, but I thought that was a fascinating that's statistic. Huge. Yeah. I know.
1: And it, I think it, it makes sense. Is. You know, how many times do you, are you like, wait, I need to, what are you saying? I need to see this. And I think it's, we are very visual and you know, as copywriters, it's, we're used to seeing things in black and white, but even when I'm writing a sales page, I'm always thinking about how the copy is going to be visually displayed because nice. it is so much more than just the words. And so yeah. having the support of creative obviously have a CTA match for ad platform you're using. That's I'm sure Molly, you know, can talk a lot more about that. And then this goes so much to what you were saying about uh, the visual. So I got this from Mike, actually he said this to me the other day who runs all of our ads. He said, we get a 18 X ability to scale our ad spend when we change out creatives than with just targeting. So I think again, going back to the point you made earlier of yes, targeting obviously is so important with ads, but You need to be testing and changing out your creative because now, well, now I know 65% of people are visual. And if your ad creative isn't working, then it's easy to think it's the message. But people, if people aren't first identifying with what they're seeing, then they're not even going to read the message.
2: Yeah. And Alex, one more fun fact for you. The brain processes visual information 60,000 times faster than text. So it's like, also if the creative is just boring or doesn't really speak to your marketing message, then that person, 65% of people are never even going to comprehend your angle or your hook, no matter how great it is. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. I love that. So then C number five is congruence. This is huge, actually. And this is something that I think we all understand conceptually as marketers and copywriters, but good ads create a distinct and memorable brand voice and look that is congruent throughout all your marketing touch points. So there has to be congruence from your ad all the way through your marketing funnel. And making sure that there is congruence is, in my opinion, the number one thing you can do immediately to lower your acquisition cost. this is a huge blind spot in businesses, especially if your ad team is different than say your in-house marketing team. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but you have an offer, a funnel, and then you send your funnel to an ad team, or maybe you don't even send them the link before it's done and they can't see it. And they can't see the messaging. You just kind of tell them a bit what's up. And if there's any sort of disconnect in the languaging, the messaging or the visuals, remember if, if everything you shared before Molly just further pushes this point of we see something, we click on it. And if we go to a page that looks so wildly different, I mean, how many times does that happen to you where you click on something and then you go to a site and immediately you're like clickbait. It was clickbait because all of a sudden you're on some site that looks nothing like the ad or sounded like nothing like the ad that you just clicked on. Absolutely. Um, And so your landing page, there has to be, is there. And Roy, I'm a big fan of Roy. You can tell he says in the heart and the mind will follow. The mind will always create logic to justify what the heart has already decided. So good ads should make your prospects like you. Then all you have to do is be the company that your customer likes. So be the company that your customer believes you to be. And I think that's so important to remember that because we often, we're all about getting the clicks. But what we don't realize is that if we're getting the clicks and then losing those potential customers, often that's our, like, that's our one shot. And if we've lost or created any sense of ambush or betrayal with that person, they're never going to click on your ad again ever. And mm-hmm. it's because they have put it in their mind that, nope, that's not a company I can trust. And so this is just a huge, huge point that if ask someone who isn't in your business, ask them, is there a disconnect happening here? Is there something that stands out to you? I know for us, for a long time, we were doing logo testing and we didn't really take into consideration that we're testing logos on the front end to see if, if they change click through on our ads. But then what happens when someone clicks on an ad with one logo and then they land on a site with another? To us, it's no big deal, but to them, they're looking for that, you know, congruency to make sure that they're not being taken somewhere where they don't want to go. So you think about it, right? Your ad environment, you have traffic, you have conversion, trust is at an all-time low, competition is at an all-time high, and you have to think of traffic and conversion as not mutually exclusive. So Mm -hmm. your ad needs to live sort of somewhere in the middle, and there needs to be a really seamless sort of um, transition so that, yes, we're all taking people off the platform that we first found them on, whether it be Facebook or whatever it might be. And so... We're already taking them out of that environment where they're familiar and they they know what's going on, and so making that transition as seamless as possible. This is, I think, very true as people become more and more cautious, especially of clickbait, and they're becoming more intolerant of inconsistent messaging. So, if your sales page or if your landing page or whatever does not meet the expectations of your prospect based on what the ad said, they'll absolutely feel ambushed and betrayed, and you probably lost the shot ever get that right even with retargeting or anything like that if they go oh no that's not I don't want to go there um and think of how many ads you've seen a million times and you just ignored now because maybe yeah. one time you clicked on them and then you're like oh I know what that is and I'm not interested
2: absolutely it's why the first impression is so important like you said
1: everything so one way that we actually kind of overcame a little bit of this because we were experiencing a bit of that disconnect was creating brand guidelines. And I you say the like word brand and you're like, everyone's like, oh, brand. Like, I want to make money. <laughs> but honestly, I had our blog editor create this because we brought her on board and she's like, do you have brand guidelines? And we were like,
2: no. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> What's that?
1: <laughs> uh, no. And so I was like, can you create them for us based on what you see has been something? Because, you know, we had them in our heads and we were kind of following it. But there is inconsistencies in fonts and all of that. So we actually just created a PDF that has all of our brand colors, type of imagery we like to use, the way that we do our video thumbnails even, all the way up to our opt-in fields and button text so that there was never any question. So anytime we bring someone on board, whether it be an ad team or someone who were getting to create products for us or anything, we just hand this to them. We say, these are our brand guidelines. Stick within them. And that has been a huge game changer. And it honestly doesn't take any time at all. You can have anyone, you know, even a VA could, could help with this. So that was a big, big game changer. And then finally, see number six, this is an obvious one. and I don't even really need to talk much about it because I know you guys are all experts and doing awesome things with your ads, but good ads, stay good ads. Meaning, you know, stay compliant. I luckily narrowly escaped law school. <laughs> but uh, that's obviously the importance of building long-term business and sustainable brand is making sure you are writing ads that have longevity. And to do that, you know, you need to stay compliant and you're probably the expert on that. That's it. Those are the six C's. I wanted to recommend a couple of books actually, because, well, firstly, I've, you know, basically been Roy Roy Williams fangirl this whole presentation. So definitely I would recommend getting his book wizard of ads. It's so, I love psychology. I love it. And it and it's so a trilogy
2: good. guys. So he has some other books yeah. too. And if you ever have a chance, check out Wizard Academy. It's a school oh in God. Austin where Roy teaches classes. It's very special.
1: Like the Hogwarts of the marketing world.
2: It, completely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's, and I'm a, I'm, I listen to his podcast rel- religiously as well. So if you go to the podcast app and search for Wizard of Ads, it's hard to see because there's not even any album artwork, which is part of why I love Roy. He like doesn't just, just he does doesn't
2: work. have Facebook. He's not online. This is all no. coming from really old school marketing and it's just brilliant.
1: And it's brilliant. And, that's, and that just goes to show like tactics and strategies can change, but what doesn't change is understanding people and he gets people more than anybody. And then this book, the winning the story wars, which is just really cool. It talks about the subtitle is why those who tell and live the best phrase will rule the future. And again, storytelling is not going anywhere. So that's another book that I recommend everybody check out. And that is basically the end. I just wanted to share my info. Thank you guys so much. If you ever want to reach out to me, I'm just happy to be here to serve and support. And I'm big on Instagram too. So if you want to like DM me on Instagram, that's probably one of the easiest ways to get in touch. That's how Molly and I started communicating. So yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Alex, awesome. This exceeded my expectations. So thank you so much. And guys, again, these are such good guidelines no matter what you're doing. Ad copywriting, email copywriting, sales page copywriting. These principles apply across the board. All right, Alex, big hugs to you. Have a great day, dear. And thanks again.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Make sure that you check out All the resources on digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 207. We have a ton of links in there to Alex Catoni, as well as a lot of the, the references that were made mention of in this week's show. Definitely check out It's Not About the Nail video. Absolutely hysterical. There's a link there for that. And probably most importantly, check out the Tier 11 agency copywriting book list. So this is part of our training that we give to all our new media buyers. When they come aboard tier 11s that they not only know how to write excellent copy, but we do the same for our ad copywriting and our creative staff as well. And on the very bottom of that list, there's three blog posts that I tend to always refer back to whenever I'm sort of stuck on headlines, copywriting two from Coffee Blogger, as well as one from our good friend, John Morrow, 52 Headline Hacks. Definitely check that out in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Like I said, this has been episode 207. Until next week, see you.
1: You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.